ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Giddy, what about the footwork around Colmenares? And the hometown boy throws it down. Right now, Josh Giddy, he's among the most exciting Aussie athletes globally. Wild to think then that he couldn't get a game for the boomer side that won the Olympic bronze in 2021. The Australians are back in Japan for the World Cup and he's part of the new group that's again preaching goal vibes only. Today we're talking to Boomers coach Brian Gorgian about their campaign. We'll also have AFL where the dogs are on the precipice and NRL where the Panthers lost a game and a big name. Soundbites 2 with some Ange Postacoglu magic. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. The Boomers are chasing glory at the Basketball World Cup. Head coach Brian Gorgian has been kind enough to give us some of his time. Brian, I've got to start with the more unusual missile scare. Like, that's not how you want to prepare for a FIBA World Cup. Can you just tell us what went down from your perspective? My phone did something it's never done before, a noise it's never made and started flashing. And it was in Japanese. So I just, being me, turned it off and rolled over. And found out it was kind of a, a, a missile scare from North Korea. And they were saying to everybody to leave. Um, I guess that's what was being said. We couldn't understand it because it was in Japanese. You know, it was four o'clock in the morning. And what I found out later was, you know, that stuff like this happens here. And uh, don't be concerned. But uh, it was unsettling because, I mean, didn't have the background to it. So I guess the guys, some of them were a little uh, uneasy, but everybody's been reassured. And it's uh, business as usual. I think every group has a different identity. It's been a long lead in preparation. What have you learned about this team's identity? the culture that which is I uh, keep saying it, it it definitely leads to performance and my role in that it's empowerment it's our leadership group sets the standards um, and my job is to make sure that they're living to those and keep evaluating those and then basketball wise it's just from the metal team we're we're much more in process that was like a fine um, machine that they knew, you know, as far as concepts offensively and defensively, what happens next? It was like clockwork. This, we've got a lot of key pieces where we've got guys that have never played an international game yet or played with our group. A guy like Josh Giddy, this is going to be his first game at an international, and he's got the ball in his hand a lot. Josh Green, Duop, they were a part of the Boomers, but they were 11th and 12th man. They, it was part of their education to move them to this, but they haven't played. So it's a young team, and it's an inexperienced team. That's a, a process that we're trying to move through quickly. And then the second aspect, where we, we, with the loss of Jock Landell, we're playing very small. So we've changed our defensive philosophy and we're trying to run more on the offensive end. So we're in change there. Um, The positive is in the high side of all this, we're athletic, we're long, we're fast, we're interchangeable. We've got a lot of things to be excited about. There's so much excitement around Josh Giddy coming into this tournament and it's wild to think that he wasn't part of that Olympic bronze medal. And you hear about the idea of building around Giddy. Is that something Hoops fans should expect to see, the offense kind of flowing through Josh at this tournament? 
I mean, for sure. Um, not only is he a, a very good player, but the position he plays, um, the ball's in his hands a lot. So he's our one man. Ingles goes back to Giddy. Oh, fights Mills. Some kind of pass. This is outrageous passing by Josh Giddy. As a coach, he's the guy I'm communicating with in the game because the ball's in his hands a lot. The thing that makes him great, and you, and as a coach, I guess, how do you define greatness? And one of the main characteristics is when he's on the floor, everybody around him's better, and that's definitely the case with him. He can really pass the ball. He really has a good feel for the game. He's big in his position, and the excitement that surrounds him is just. But um, this game is a completely different game than the NBA. He's finding, you know, when he gets the ball, they, they play an 82-game season in the NBA. They don't pick guys up full court. They don't body check you. They don't double on on-ball screens. This is a tournament, and the rules are different. There's adjustments for him, but he's definitely living up to expectations, and every game he plays, he's growing and getting better. This is just the beginning. <laughs> How high do you think his ceiling could be in terms of – Boomer's all-time greats. I know it's early in his career, but he's such a talent. There's no doubt. You're looking at a guy, and there's a correlation. NBL, and it, what's a great NBL player? Uh, what NBL players process into the NBA? The guys that do process into the NBA, most of those guys end up playing on the national team. This guy's processed at a very young age and moved and done stuff in the NBA already that no Australian's ever done like triple-doubles, like starting in the guard spot, you know, as a rookie. And Giddy from the outside, 4-3, knocks it down. It's what he's paving away from the boomers, tells you what to expect when he comes to the boomers. And the exciting part about this is he wants to get better. He wants to learn. So he's got all the ingredients besides being a very good player, a great player, to be special. Gorge Hoops fans are so excited for this one. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. The penultimate round of the NRL home and away season is underway with Parramatta beating reigning Premier's Penrith in Penrith. That's the second time the Eels have beaten the Panthers this season, and yet they will almost certainly not play finals. This is para being the most para possible version of para. From a Penrith point of view, huge injury concerns with Jerome Luai dislocating his shoulder. Now there's concern being shown here. Cartwright and Luai are both there, and now they're surrounded by players. I assume it's Luai that's got the issue. Look at his left shoulder, left arm. The 5-8 could miss the rest of the season. It's the biggest news from the club this week since Nathan Cleary was spotted going for an ice cream with Mary Fowler after the pair had a mutual sponsor engagement. The fact that it was an ice cream and not a meal is just giving high school date at Macca's kind of vibes. Cold water has subsequently been poured on it, but hey, can we not be indulged with some sporting power couple gossip? Please and thank you. On field, we can't wait to see the Raiders sixth hosting the Broncos. Second, this will tell us how excited we should be about Canberra, aka the milk in a finals context. Plus, it's the final ever home and away game for Jared Croker and Jack Whiten. Brisbane can go top and get one hand on the minor premiership after Penrith's loss, but but they'll be without Adam Reynolds. Did we mention the Green Machine won this fixture in Brizzy in round six? Juicy. 
Finally, we are hanging out to see if Newcastle can make it eight straight wins as they host Cronulla. When the Knights get on a roll, it reminds us of the glory era of the Johns brothers yelling, how good's Lego? Robbie O'Davis dancing. Paul the Chief Harrigan in insurance commercials. It's real-time nostalgia. But the Shire Rat Sharks sit fifth on the ladder and are absolutely no joke. They will be missing Nico Hines. He appears to have a quad injury. But what a way to close out the round. All games, live and commercial free on the Listen app. AFL, and it's finally the final round before finals. Say final again, Patrick. Jesus. Corbin Middlemass is here to get me back on track. Corby, so much to pick through, but I think we need to focus on who makes the top four and who makes the top eight. Top four first. We know it's Collingwood, Brisbane, Port, Melbourne. We don't know what order. Talk me through the best outcome for each side in under 90 seconds. Go. So the equation's simple for Collingwood. If they beat Essendon, then they win the minor premiership. It'll be the first time that they've done that since 2011. So that's quite simple. They win. They start from the front of the grid. The Brisbane Lions, they're in action Saturday twilight up against St Kilda. Again, relatively straightforward for Brisbane. Win that game and they finish top two. Now, top two is enormous compared to the other teams in the top four, for example, because if you do finish top two, it means that you're guaranteed two home finals, whether that's a home quality and a home prelim or a home quality and a home semifinal. So the only way to get two home finals in September is to finish first or second on the ladder. Now, Port Adelaide play Richmond. They're a heavy favourite in that game on Sunday. They do need another result to go their way. So they need Brisbane not to win, and then they need to take care of business themselves against Richmond. So there is a passage for them to get to second spot, but it is relying on another team, given the fact their percentage is not crash hot. And then Melbourne currently sitting fourth on the table. They need a couple of things to go their way. They probably need stumbles from both Port Adelaide and Brisbane. And given their healthy percentage of victory against Sydney on Sunday would be enough to see them get the top two. I think the favoured way would be the the way that it is at the moment, that Collingwood and Brisbane would finish 1-2 and host qualifying finals in week one of the final series. The biggest story for me this week shapes around the top eight and whether the Dogs can sneak in by beating Geelong in Geelong. I feel like this is kind of a referendum on Luke Beveridge's season. How do you see it? Absolutely. I mean, the irony in this is is excellent too. As, uh, what was the Bart Simpson line? The ironing is delicious, and it feels a, a little bit like that this time around for uh, for the Western Bulldogs. If you remember 12 months ago, they needed to win and hope that Carlton lost their last game against Collingwood, and we know what happened there at the MCG and Jamie Elliott kicking the goal at the end. This time, they need a win, and they also need Carlton to win. So instead of death riding the Blues like they were on the last day of last season... The Bulldogs will be barracking for Carlton if they're good enough to beat a depleted Geelong team down at Kidinia Park. It is something they haven't done under Luke Beveridge. It's been a been really a head-scratcher of a season for the Western Bulldogs where you know, just as you feel like you believe in them, they let you down. If you give up on them, they surprise you. And so they're certainly in the, the spot of the ladder at the moment, having just lost to a hapless West Coast team. The upset of the season! An absolute dog of a day! For Luke Beveridge and his men. And yet it's it's all set up for them. If they can win on Saturday night, they'll set up this pulsating end to the home and away season in which GWS would have to beat Carlton in Melbourne to win their spot back on Sunday. So if the Dogs can just win, uh, they'll be there on, on Saturday night and they've been given every advantage by the fact that the Cats have put away a number of players for the, uh, for the rest of the season and, and into early surgery. Why is the Swans-Ds clash Sunday sneaky big? I think because it could very much decide where that elimination final will be played. So I think most of us probably feel, if you run your ladder predictors, that Sydney will play St Kilda in an elimination final. I think the question is, where is that going to be played? Because Brisbane hosts St Kilda. 
Brisbane have lost three of their last 48 regular season games at the Gabba. So they, they almost are unbeatable up there. And one of those three games, they dropped half the team, missed with COVID. So they're almost unstoppable at the Gabba. So I think most people think Brisbane will win. Then it becomes a scenario that if the Swans can beat Melbourne, they will host St Kilda in the elimination final. If the Swans drop that game, they'll find themselves coming to Melbourne to play at the MCG. Now, the other interesting element to it is that Melbourne might not have a lot to play for. So it could be set up beautifully for Sydney that it's a chance for them to compete for a home elimination final. Should they drop that game, that there's not really much for Melbourne to benefit from it other than to carry winning form into the finals. Their position in fourth spot on the table may already be locked in by the time we get to that spot on Sunday afternoon. So given the way that the fixture is laid out, there's so many of these games that... We're not going to know the stakes until we get there because they're all dependent on other results and what happens earlier in the weekend. Corbin Minimas, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Anytime. A reminder, you can catch every game live and commercial-free on the ABC Listen app. Soundbites, no Jeremy Cameron for that Cats-Dogs clash we just mentioned. The big key forward had shoulder surgery. How did it go, Jezza? Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Darts YouTube channel. Um, feeling pretty good at the moment, yeah. Um, oh, I had a bit of an accident. I just want to let you guys know that, um, fell out of my boat. By fell out of his boat, he means cluttered into Gary Rowan in round 15. Get well soon, Cameron. The biggest winners at the World Champs didn't even get a medal. I'm talking about Slovakia's Dominic Cerny and Hanna Berzalova. They finished 19th and 28th, respectively, in the 35-kilometre racewalk. As Hanna was crossing the finish line, Dominic was waiting on one knee with an engagement ring. Please give it up for our new, very happy couple after the finish line here in Budapest. And they are going to get married! Cute. I still think race walk is a odd event. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Channel 9, the NBA, Jezza Cameron's Instagram, Chris Cowan on Twitter, and World Athletics for the extra audio used in this episode. And to take you out, it's Tottenham fans singing Robbie Williams' Angels, Ange Postacoglu style. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.